there's warfare in Ephesians chapter 6 from the verse 12 the Bible from the first 10 the Bible says that be strong in the Lord finally and in the power of his might it says for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against rulers of darkness of this age and spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies so we, we come to understand that we don't live in this world alone this world is also occupied by spirit beings that control people that influence systems and cultures that inspire behaviors that are inconsistent with the ways and the purposes of God and every child of God who feels that because of the finished work of Jesus Christ there is no place for war is a believer who is naive about spiritual matters because when it comes to issues on spiritual warfare we need to understand that there is a devil and there are demons unfortunately the subject like this has been abused so much that people don't want to hear anything about demons anymore because uh, demonology has not been taught well it has ended up putting fear in people so people don't want to have anything to do with it but actually these are scriptural stuff that the church must know because if you don't know them the devil will take advantage of your life we have explained the um, weapons the devil uses against us as children of God we have explained six category areas of strongholds that the devil capitalizes when we yield Today we want to continue. Now the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, the verse 11. Now, when you read the verse 11, the Bible tells us something very interesting. He says, Ephesians 6, 11. He says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may, ye may be able to stand against what? The wiles of the devil. So it's clear there is a devil. He has wiles. The word wiles there is tricks. Deception. And when you read further, the Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day. And I explained to you that every child of God will have an evil day in his work with God. There's a gospel that has been taught us as Christians and we've been told that when you become born again as a child of God, everything about your life is going to be fine. And that is a teaching that can be very dangerous because a lot of Christians are now overwhelmed and surprised when they have challenges. Thinking it's strange that they said when I believe Jesus Christ, everything will be fine. And why am I experiencing this? Listen to me. There is an evil day for every child of God. Now, what is the evil day according to the scripture? The evil day is a day where your strength your money your experience your connections your links will be inadequate and insufficient to help you i repeat again that evil day the bible speaks of in ephesians chapter 6 is a day where your strength your money your experience your connections your links will be inadequate and insufficient to help you. That's the word evil day. 
and today there are many Christians who are still battling with some things today and they've not realized that they are in their evil day and because they are not well prepared they've not been able to handle that period and instead of going through just a short moment of trial it has been elongated because of their ignorance the Bible says if thou fail it in the day of adversity thy strength is small that means adversity comes to test your spiritual capacity so the Bible is saying that failing in the day of adversity is a sign that you were not prepared at all and many Christians are not prepared for war now remember before you fight war you must be dressed that is how you prepare for war so the Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God he didn't say some of the armors of God he said the whole armor of God now don't joke with that because without putting on that armor you cannot be able to stand withstand and stand against in that evil day I'm teaching good here So the Bible begins to give us a list of armory. I'm going to teach that specially when I'm done with this course on the whole armor of God. Now we need to understand that the whole armor of God was not given in scripture for you to look like Iron Man. You will notice in Ephesians 18 which is the end goal of putting on the armor is to pray. So you get to understand that the whole armor of God is given so that we become praying men. So let me break this down for you. The whole armor of God being spoken about is not anything mystical. Paul was in prison, it is believed, when he was writing this epistle, and he was between soldiers who are moving to and fro every second so as Paul was lying down meditatively probably praying and he saw the armor of that Roman soldier the Lord began to share with him how each piece of armor are revelational truths the believer can use to guard himself in the ongoing battle so he first begins by saying Put on the belt of truth. Now, any soldier that doesn't wear a belt may be in trouble in the day of battle. Now, we all know that even in our current world, when you wear a trouser that is bigger than you without belt, especially when you are doing anti-pay, you will, you will know shame like never before. So, belts hold your armor tight so you can be able to have the liberty to move those days the typical Jewish person wears a girdle that was free but anytime he wants to walk or anytime he wants to do something that involves a struggle he normally ties it in his girdle so he can be able to have free access of movement and running and the Bible is telling us to put on the belt of truth now surprisingly in the armor of God which we call the belt of truth that is the armor that supports all the other armor the belt of truth is connected to the breastplate of righteousness 
The belt of truth is actually the belt with which the soldier hangs a sword. Praise God. So, almost all the armor is supported on that belt. And the Bible says the belt of truth. Now, when you take the whole armor, okay, forget about belt of Forget about breastplate off. Forget about shield off. That last thing you see there is the main thing. So, belt of truth. He's saying truth is what you need to protect your loins as a child of God. Breastplate of righteousness. He's saying your understanding of righteousness influences you in war. Meaning, we, we are righteous by faith in Christ and not by our works. If a child of God does not know that, Satan will accuse you and you will fall to his temptation. Praise the Lord. So the truth, which is a belt, is actually speaking of the entirety of scripture. The whole Bible is truth. Jesus says, thy word is truth. So the whole Bible is truth. That means our work must be guided with truth. The breastplate of righteousness, remember, it protects your heart. The Bible says, if our hearts do not condemn us, that means your heart can be condemned. There are times believers will do something and the devil will tell them that because of what you have done, God is going to punish you and send you to hell and God does not love you again. That, that plight that happens to a believer who doesn't have the breastplate of righteousness, knowing that his righteousness is derived from the finished work of Christ and not in his strength, that believer will fail. Praise God. There is peace of the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. The Roman soldier didn't wear shoes like we wear today. It was a kind of leather sandal that has spikes like the uh, football boots with stud under it. It helps them to be able to have a good ground. And the Bible calls that one the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means we must be ready and prepared to communicate the gospel we believe. If someone calls you today and wants to know about salvation, what can you say to the person? You are not ready. Is going out there to bring people from the camp of the enemy through the preaching of the gospel. Hallelujah. Then he speaks of the helmet of salvation. That's to protect your head. If you're a child of God who doesn't understand salvation, you are in trouble. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Anytime you think you are saved because of something good you have done, you have missed it. That becomes a ground the devil will capitalize to destroy so many things in your life. Hallelujah. Then it speaks of the shield of faith. Those days, the shield that the soldier used was rectangular in shape and it looks like the size of a door. So when he holds it like this, no arrow can be able to hit him. The Bible calls that the shield of faith. That means your, your Christian life must be lived by faith constantly. Because the enemy will throw arrows that will fight against your faith. Your convictions about God will be attacked. Convictions about giving will be attacked. Convictions about morality will be attacked. And you need to put on the shield of faith. Praise God. And it speaks of the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Now, the word word there is actually rima. 
Now, the word of God can be categorized into three. We have the incarnate word. The incarnate word is the person of Jesus that became incarnate. We have the written word, which is the Bible, which is called Logos. Then we have the spoken word, which is called Rima. So when the Bible speaks of the sword of the spirit, which is Rima, is speaking of the spoken word. And that one is an it's actually a weapon that is used both for defensive and offensive. You have to speak back at the devil. You have to speak back at strange voices that are not consistent with the word of God. You have to speak back to discouragement. You have to speak back to, to thoughts that are inconsistent with the word of God. And you do that by the spoken word. So the written word which you have stored in your heart. In the day of trouble, the Holy Ghost will inspire them out of you. And that inspiration that comes becomes rima. And that's what you used to fight. Then amazingly, he said, praying always. That means the whole armor is worn in prayer and it is used by prayer. If you put on the whole armor of God without prayer, you are in trouble. Praise God. Now, have you noticed in the book of Genesis, there was a judgment that was placed on the serpent, representing the devil. And he says that, dust shall thou eat. How many remember that? Now, it will shock you to know that in the book of Genesis chapter 3, God told, reminded Adam that dust thou art. The judgment placed upon Satan is that you shall eat dust and said man, said to man, dust thou art. If the judgment placed on Satan was that he will eat dust as a serpent and man thou art dust, what is he telling us? I will explain. Remember, the body, the flesh of man was born out of dust. So, dust here signifies the carnal nature or that which is fleshly. So, what the Bible is simply telling us that Satan feeds on our carnality. So, anytime you are a child of God who is refusing to grow and is carnal, you are died for Satan. Slightest thing, you are angry. You are his died. Unforgiveness and bitterness. Yummy, yummy. Carnality is his food. Listen to me. Anytime you walk in carnality, you are feeding Satan. And guess what? He's feeding out of your life never make him satisfied you know if if listen if your carnality is good food for the devil your spirituality is poison to him anytime the believer increases in spirituality the devil hates it he hates it when you are growing he hates it when you forgive people he hates it when you are kind to others he hates it when you flee from sin. He hates it. So your spirituality is poison to Satan. There's hard time believers must start poisoning him. Don't give him good food to eat with your life. 
Hallelujah. The last time I checked, the Bible tells us that there was war in heaven in the book of Revelation chapter 12. And I noticed that everywhere the devil is, there is war. When he was cast down, the Bible tells the heavens to rejoice. And the inhabitants of the earth, he says, woe. Why? That means there will be war on earth. Why is Satan? He's functioning on earth. That tells us, as long as Satan is on this earth, there will be war. Every day, every hour, and every minute. I'm teaching with you. And many don't know that the experience that happened in the garden was actually a war. What happened between Adam and Eve and the devil was war. Can I share some revelation the Lord shared with me to you? Now, have you noticed that Adam was in the garden with Eve, but the serpent deceived Eve and not Adam? The serpent attacked Eve and not Adam. Have you realized that? And used Eve to attack Adam, right? Now, I came to understand that Satan can't fight Jesus. He fights the church because we are the bride of Christ. And he uses the fight he fights against the church to mock Jesus. That blessed me when the Lord showed me that. So in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the verse 2, I saw some serious scripture there. I want every child of God to look at this. Now, he says, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. This is Apostle Paul. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Next verse. Then he says, but I fear lest by enemies as the serpent began who? If Christ cannot be deceived. Just like Adam. See, Satan, if you read the book of 1 Timothy 2, the Bible tells us it was the woman that was deceived. Adam was never deceived. He knew what he was doing. Likewise, Christ is undeceivable. It's only the church that can be deceived. So he's saying, as the serpent began Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be what? Corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So all Satan is doing is to distract you from the word of God so that you will have time looking at yourself. Let me tell you something. There are most of you are going through serious trials of different kinds. Finances, relationship, business, all kinds of things. Now, let me tell you what is happening to you. What is happening to you now is that you are focused on so much failure. You are focused on how bad the marriage is. You are focused on how things are not working to the extent that now you have neglected your most important duty to God. And that's what is destroying your life. That's like you are crying about the business. But guess what? Your spiritual life is actually broken into pieces. Forgetting that it is in maintaining your spiritual consistency that your strength before God becomes evident. This morning I want to share with you on four deadly traps of Satan. If I have time, I'm going to go through some stuff with you. Now, remember I gave you weapons of weapons the devil uses, right? But I've not really taken my time to give you all the weapons that God has given to the church. The devil has weapons. God also has weapons. He has ammunition. Interesting. You know, the armors I mentioned to you 
are six in context, but they are more than six. Can I share a few with you then? We'll continue and i explain them from next week. Is that okay? Alright, so let me give you some few weapons that God gave to the believer. Now, if I mention these weapons and you have never used them in your life, that means that you have given the devil advantage over your life. The first weapon we have is called submission and obedience to God. James 4, 7. He says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Are you noticing that? He tells us first to submit before we can resist the devil. So any child of God who is not obedient to God has no authority over the devil. I came to notice something. Satan does not fear every Christian. You know, there's a cliche that is going on. Satan is scared of believers. He's not scared of every believer. Don't deceive yourself. There are some of you seated here. Satan is not afraid, but he can dance in your house. I'm telling you, he's not afraid of you. All the, you see, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit inside you and the capacity and the capability of what God can do through you is only potential. So when the Bible says that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, it's not saying that automatically every power is operating, though that power is inside. That power inside you is potential. Are you following that? Now, when you give birth to a baby, that baby boy uh, is a father in the making. But at that time, he is not a father yet. Are you noticing what I'm saying? So, that child is a potential man, but not yet a man. The believer was born potentially God, yet has not arrived yet. So, if that child begins to say, I'm a child of God. Remember, child of God is in three different levels. You are a child of God, but maybe a baby of God. Don't think you have certain advantages when you have not developed your spiritual capabilities. That's why we always tell Christians to spend time speaking in tongues. Now, let me have your earpiece. Now, this is, a, this is an earpiece, right? Now, to me, because I'm grown, to you, because you are grown, when I tie this in your hand, you'll be laughing. Right? you just laugh. Because by the time I tie your hand and I leave, you just look at it. Ta! They tie it. Right? But when you put this in the hand of a baby, the baby will cry and be there for two days. Why? Because though this rope can be terrible by you. The reason why it is possible is because you have grown. But to the two months old baby, this one is difficult. What happens is that the more you grow as a child of God, the more your spiritual capacity increases and that gives you advantage over the devil. Are you following this teaching here? So anyway, so the believer has spiritual weapons. Number one is what? Obedience and submission to God. Number two is praise and worship. Many people think that praise and worship is something we do when we only come to church. It's a lie. 
David praised God seven times a day in his house. Psalm 119 verse 164. Check that for yourself. 164. Can we read together? One, two, go. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. So David praised God seven times a day. That means he made time. Seven times a day, I'll go and praise God. And many of you don't know that this is actually a weapon God has given to us. You'll be shocked to know that the Bible says in uh, Psalm 8, verse 2, he says that in the mouth of babes has thou ordained strength. Now, Jesus in the book of Matthew called it praise. For what purpose? Because of thine enemies that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. So praise and worship silences Satan. Before you enter into warfare in prayer, before you fellowship with God in prayer, start praising Him. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, let us glorify Emmanuel. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, you're fucking up. Let us glorify Emmanuel. Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Let us glorify Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Let us glorify Emmanuel. That's what you're doing. Five minutes, then you are singing it. Satan hates it. It was in praise that Jehoshaphat won his battle. But unfortunately, when Christians are in trouble, they forget to praise God. You know, many of you have been taught that when God does something great for you, then you praise him. That's good. But let me tell you something. When you are in the most destitute situation, that's where God actually expects praise. You know what that means? That's called faith. Praise and worship. 15 minutes. The songs will be flowing and you are worshiping the Lord. You are building up spiritual capacity and power to silence Satan. Are you following this? And you don't have to have a good voice to do it. Your, your key note may not be on the organ, but that one doesn't matter. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Good. Number three is confessions. Listen, the Bible tells in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 that for he has said that we may boldly say. Now let's see if we can get that verse for you. Hebrews chapter 13. All right. So Hebrews chapter 13. Um, all right. Now, come to the verse 5. The verse 5. Now watch. He says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as he have. For he has said, I will not leave thee nor forsake thee. Look at what God has said. Next verse. He says, so that we may boldly say. So God is expecting that what he has said, we boldly say it. That 
the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man can do to me. And many Christians don't know that when the word of God in the book comes upon your lips, it becomes a sword. And you have to make confessions. There are times the devil throw arrows of envy, arrows of discouragement, arrows of doubt, and you will have to use confessions to release yourself. I refuse to be envious. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. The Lord is my satisfaction. I am content in him to depart. Praise God. Next is the blood of Jesus. In the book of Revelation 12, the verse 10, the Bible says, and they overcame him by the word, by, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Quickly, next point, the name of Jesus. Philippians chapter 4 from the verse 10. God had highly exalted Jesus and given him the name that is above every other name. Sorry, Philippians 2, 2 10, sorry. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and of things on earth and of things beneath the, beneath the earth. So the name of Jesus is a weapon. If a child of God knows how to use that name, he will see great and mighty things happen. Praise God. Next point is sacrifices. Sacrifices. You know, the ultimate sacrifice that was ever made was the sacrifice of Jesus. But the ultimate sacrifice a believer can also make is to offer his body. Anytime the believer's body is given wholly to Jesus Christ as a living sacrifice, that act is a weapon. It's a weapon. Next point, communion. Please, don't copy this in your notes eh, and go and suffer at home without looking into the solution I'm giving to your life. Because so many Christians are so naive. They are, they are just used to making notes. But they don't note what is in the note. And they don't take note of the notes they are taking. And when they go home, they are still going back to the issues, grumbling, talking about the thing that is not working. Meanwhile, the solution is your diary. It's sad. I'm telling you, it's sad. Very, very sad how Christians are living their lives. And God is helping you every Sunday. You go back and come back empty the way you came on the Sunday. It doesn't work that way. You can't do that to yourself. Communion, the moment you go home, you go and buy it. That's how you... That's, see, we can't waste time now. We can't waste time because how the world is going, there's no time for me to come and come and say, have you, have you gotten communion? I don't have that time. Take the communion. It's a weapon. Take it consistently. Don't wait for church service. The Bible says as often as you eat it. Often. You realize that you're walking in health. You're walking in divine health. Hallelujah. Next point is holiness and purity. Purity is a weapon. I'm going to explain all of them. So let me just skip them. Next, giving. 
Many don't know that giving is a weapon. Giving is a weapon. Next point, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I'm giving you spiritual weapons the devil doesn't like. That's like I'm, all these things I'm mentioning. It's so difficult to do. Meanwhile, they are so plain in your notes. Thanksgiving. There are three things the Bible says we should do always. Number one is what? Pray always. Number two, rejoice always. Number three, give thanks always. Ephesians 5.20 these are the three things the Bible says we should do always in the New Testament. So, why will God tell us to be giving him thanks? I told you at that time in Ephesians 5, 18 to, to 21. Being thankful is how you get your spiritual thankful. Did you hear that? Being thankful is how you what get your spiritual thankful. You have to learn to thank Jesus for everything. You are going out, Father, thank you for a safe journey. You come back home, Father, thank you for a safe, safe journey. I give you praise. You are giving food, Father, thank you for providing food for me. Holy Ghost, thank you for living in me. I bless God. I bless you, Lord. Thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Satan doesn't like it. You see, it looks so simple. Ah, so you mean I just say thank you, then magic. No. You have to do these things in Revelation. And understanding it has been discovered by Christian arithmetic that out of every 10 believers only one gives thanks to God how do I know the Bible tells us that 10 lepers were healed only one came back to give thanks and Jesus asked what are the, what are the other nine that means he was concerned and interested about their thanksgiving too Jesus is interested in your thanksgiving nine of them were healed he said to only one thy faith has made thee whole. That means thanksgiving number one is faith. Number two, thanksgiving brings wholeness. How many you realize that Jesus gave thanks over two loaves of bread and uh, five loaves of bread and two fishes and it began, it began to multiply? Thanksgiving is powerful. It's a weapon. Sometimes you went for an interview, it went bad. Don't come and cry. At least cry small. And start thanking him. You are still faithful, Lord. Then you add one song. You are too faithful to fail me. Then you sing it for five minutes. Then the devil is like, ah. Crying. And if God should open your eyes to see frustrated demons, you'll be shocked. And there are some of you, demons are frustrated over you because they've tried every angle. It is not working. I am one of them. I'm one of them. He's very frustrated with me. Because the, he throws the arrow within five minutes I've recovered. Uh, uh. I'm telling you. And these are simple secrets. Simple secrets I'm teaching you. And the thing is that the more you do it, the more its power intensifies. Are you following what I'm teaching? Next point. Fellowship with other believers is a weapon. Every long ranger Christian will soon be a dead ranger Christian. If you walk alone, you die alone. 
you must have other Christian people, Christian brothers around you. You pray with them. You share your, your, your discouragements with them. You are keeping everything to yourself. You come to church, you don't mind anybody. You look at them, they greet you, you say, mm-hmm. You don't mind anybody. We call you, you don't pick up. You don't want to befriend anybody. Maybe a Christian betrayed you. But that's that Christian. You are among new Christians. Praise God. So, he said, Christians are, are not correct. Now, who are correct? We are not correct. We are growing. So, we offend each other. It's part of it. But have good Christians around you. Strengthen each other. Pray together. It's a weapon. See, no matter how strong a soldier is, when he walks alone in a battle, he will die early. Next weapon. Prayer meetings. Prayer meetings. Never underestimate corporate prayer meetings. I'll explain that next week. Next is fasting. This message goes for you. You can never be... You see, you can't eat three times a day for the rest of your life. It's evil. Oh, I'm telling you, it's evil. It's evil. So you eat breakfast. You know, that statement doctors told us some years. He said, eat breakfast like a king. Eat lunch as a prince. And eat supper as a, as a slave or as a pauper. Bro, you die before your time. I'm telling you. You can't be eating, 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 eating 24 hours, 7 days a week. It doesn't work that way. Look at Apostle Paul in the book of Acts chapter 9, verse 9. The moment he got born again, he started fasting. That's a pattern for us because he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That means the moment you get born again, fasting must begin in your life. Listen, we, you see, we are, the, see, someone asked one great saint of blessed memory that why do you keep emphasizing on the infilling of the Holy Ghost? You know his answer, he says, because I leak. And that struck me. Every single day you are leaking. Why do we have to pray again? Because today's prayer can't carry you for tomorrow. Why do we read the Bible every day? Because we need fresh manna. In the Old Testament, anytime God rain manna, if you store plenty for the next day, it become worms. The manna has to be fresh and the manna is the word of God. So every single day, the same word you are studying, you must read again and it must come fresh to you. And there are some of you, your manna is still full of worms. Am I helping someone? So, fasting is part of the ways of keeping your spiritual life intact. You fast at least twice a week. If you are a lady, six to two. If you are a man, six to six. <laughs> twice a week. Now, with the ladies, it's for the start. For the start. Praise God. Take what I'm saying serious. Fast at least twice a week. Because see, our spiritual antennas can, can shut down or go on hibernation. Hibernation. You have to keep your dream, your visions, everything must be active. 
Sharp, 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 sharp. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, don't, see, anytime you realize, see, when you are going down spiritually, you will know. So, some of you, you know and you are still leaving the door open for the devil to take advantage. Master, if you realize something is not going well with your spiritual, you notice it. Your spirit man tells you that, Master, and Koye. And many of you have, the Holy Ghost has prompted you that, Charlie, there's something wrong. Go on a fast. Don't tell me your work doesn't permit you. You can fast while working. Because war is still on the work field, it's still ongoing. There are demonic bosses, there are demonic uh, 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 clients. They are demonic co-workers. So you can't joke with anything. So fasting must be part of your life. Apostle Paul says in fastings often. That's why in this church we love fasting. In September we are doing 100 days. Unto me at two. We did 40 days. We have done 30 days. We are doing 100 days. And in between those we are, we are still fasting. Me, I'm still fasting. Tomorrow by the grace of God, I'm going for a program this week. So I'm fasting for seven days. Only on water. It is part of our life. You see, accept it so that it doesn't become a burden to you. That's how we keep ourselves spiritually fit. It's a weapon. That's how come you can see when you are not fasting, yeah, you can you can be there. move you six to three p.m. Okay. Once you say you are fasting, nine o'clock now meets by watch it. Boom. Broling Kosia, hmm. Kokoni Kose, hmm. In fact, foods you don't want to eat, they are the foods you feel like eating. That should tell you you are under attack. And those smells are to actually encourage you to fast more. When you are in the office by 10 o'clock, your stomach is crying. Queen, Jimmy, oh, Jimmy. Don't mind. Don't mind. This stomach, it will put you into trouble and leave you. It will, it will turn his face like this. Why are you in trouble? So you must learn to betray your stomach for spiritual purposes. I'm telling you. This body realized that I'm thinking of fasting from tomorrow. You won't believe what is happening as I speak to you. <laughs> Oh, you'll be shocked. You won't believe what the body is doing to me. It took grace for me to come and preach this morning. I was feeling weak, dizzy. But you see, I've made up my mind, my mind already. Now call 47 on to me. I'm telling you, fasting is a spiritual weapon. Every child of God must fast. Don't tell me fasting is for pastors. Give me scripture. There's no scripture that fasting is for pastors. Amen. Tell somebody fast. Fast for your business. Yeah. Sure. Huh. Hey. Yo. Next one. Preaching is a weapon. Preaching. Many Christians don't know that anytime a pastor is preaching, he's releasing weapons. And some of you, all kinds of things were in your mind, your heart and everything before you came for a meeting. And I'm sure by now, I have demolished a lot of things in your heart. That's what preaching does. The Holy Ghost uses messages like this to turn believers' lives around. It's a weapon. 
Some of you, as I'm preaching, burdens will be lifted off you. That's how it is. It's a weapon. And finally, testimonies. Remember Revelation 12, he says, and they overcame me with the blood of the Lamb and by the word, word of their testimony. Now, many Christians trivialize testimonies. It was through a testimony David was empowered to kill Goliath. He said, the God who delivered me from the hand of the lion and from the power of the bear shall deliver you into my hands this day. So he used previous things God had done for him as a testimony to defeat him. Listen, when God does something for you, use that always as a testimony. When the devil is trying to create all kinds of discouragement in your life. That God that blessed you with a car, he will see you through this situation. Remind the devil. You use that. It's a weapon. They overcame by the blood and by the word of their testimony. That's why it's good for believers to testify the things God is doing in their lives. It's a weapon. Sometimes people share testimonies and other believers are encouraged who came broken. Praise God. So testimonies are weapons. So quickly, four deadly traps of Satan. Number one, Satan entices us to sin. I'm giving you the four deadly traps of Satan. Number one, Satan entices us to sin. I wish I had more time. Oh. It is well. Now, we need to understand that all temptation fall under three categories. In 1 John chapter 2, the verse 15, give me that verse very quickly. When you go home, you can read that. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now look, look at the verse 16. He says, for all that is in the world, let's read number one is what? The last of the flesh, the last of the eyes and the pride of life. It's not of who? The Father, but it is of the world. Now, you will notice that this same enticement that was brought to Adam which he failed was the same process of enticement that was brought to Jesus. Are you following this thing? Remember, during the temptation in the garden, the Bible says that the woman saw the tree last of the eyes. It was good for food. Last of the flesh, appetite. And it was desirable for gaining wisdom, the pride of life. And that is what landed man into the fall and during the time of Jesus the last Adam the devil brought the same trap if you are the son of man turn this stone into bread self-satisfaction last of the flesh he showed him all the kingdoms of the world for him to behold and bow to him last of the eyes Took him to the top of the pinnacle, told him to drop himself, for he shall give his angels charge. That means Satan even quoted scriptures. Satan knows the scriptures better than you. For he shall give his angels. That's called the pride of life. That means Jesus, the Son of God, is falling down like that. Angels will come and hold him. Prestige. That means that every child of God must be careful, number one, what he sees. Number two, what his appetite tells him. And number three, what pride, the pride of achievement, it can destroy your life. Guess what? That's what the devil is using against many believers today. What they see, 
Check what is going on on Facebook. Sometimes by the next 10 minutes into social media, all kinds of corruptible stuff that brings more temptation to sin, increases it. 10 times. Last of the flesh and the pride of life. Satan always uses these things against us. Praise God. Now, there are five things under this point I want to share with you that will help you. Okay? Not to fall to the enticement of sin. Can I help you with that? Now, note this. Number one, remember the consequences of yielding to temptation. So, anytime Satan entices you to sin, consider these five things. Remember the consequences of yielding to sin. See, don't tell me that, uh, you see, before there was temptation to commit any sin, there are times you can picture the end result, but you still do it. The first point you need to note is to remember the consequences of yielding to temptation. It will bring shame to the name of God. I won't do it. It will make this lady pregnant and, and affect her testimony and education. I won't do it. I'm a pastor. This will bring shame to my ministry. I won't do it. You must always remember the consequences of yielding to temptation. Now, imagine any of you comes to here or you come to see me with another lady apart from my wife and we are entering into a hotel and we enter the room. We spent 30 minutes and we came out. Now, look at how most of you are looking up to me. There are some of you, there are some things you decided never to do just because of the testimony of my life. The moment you hear that I fell that way, most of you will be discouraged. Say, Pastor Papa, are falling here in the Say, We are fallen. <laughs> if he has fallen, we are fallen. I'm telling you, they will be discouraged. And many have not thought of that. Remember the consequences of yielding to temptation. One man said, all sin is bittersweet. What the devil does is that he places the poison by covering it with ice cream. So you'll be licking. Mm, nice. By the time you finish licking the ice cream, you have contacted poison. There's a testimony of two rats. Okay? A man set the trap because he noticed the two rats were in his house and put peanut butter on the trap. But unfortunately, the first day, the, the, these monks were very smart. So they can eat the thing around it. Like, and the trap won't kill them. And the man said, okay, we thank God for your life. By the next two mornings, when he came, their head was on the trap. And that's how sin works. You may be playing smart around it. No, you'll be Before you realize, trap and so Timothy. That's how it is. Listen, you can never be smart when it comes to sin. Don't play smart. It will come out. So remember that consequence of what you're doing. 
Are you following? Now, there's a man called William Genau. You know what he said? He said, there is a spark of hell in every temptation. That's deep. There is a spark of hell in every temptation. That means every temptation that comes will be there is, it came from hell. The spark came from there. Don't play with Satan's enticing beats. Quickly, number two. Number two, don't play with fire. Very simple but powerful. Now, we need to understand that our old sinful habits and weaknesses can come back again. Write it down. Your old sinful practices and weaknesses can come back again. They can return. You see, that's like every child of God must keep himself far away from sin. It's a very important thing. Do you know the Bible started by saying that Lot pitched his tent around Sodom and Gomorrah? Later in the chapters, he was in Sodom. <laughs> Read your Bible. He was around Sodom. Gradually, before he realized, he was moving, 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 and he was in Sodom. And guess what happened to Lot? Don't pitch your tent around sin. Because you will soon fall into it. So when we say don't play with fire, we are saying that if you know you are weak in a certain area of your life, stay away from situations where this temptation is likely to occur. I'm teaching good here. Stay away from the area where that temptation is likely to occur. Listen, if you are now recovering from pornography, I advise you leave social media for some time. Don't play with the internet for some time. I'm giving you a solution. There are some of you, you know what is causing the things that is causing it and still you are playing around it. You are broken up with this guy that messed up. Eh? Then now you are still calling your ex back into the same room when he knows your weaknesses. And when he comes and he says, Mimpesa, Chai! Why did you call him? Stop. Come 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 Tell someone, Kwame. <laughs> Praise God, stay away. If you know your weakness is fair women, pass by. Don't look at them twice. Don't look at fair women twice if that's your weakness. Okay, you didn't get what I'm saying. <laughs> Listen, you must identify all your weaknesses by now. Don't go and hug a woman that you know may spark something in your, in your life. Especially the mighty-breasted ones. <laughs> no, because some hugs will never make you be the same again. 
That means I can't, let me give you an example. So you know that when this thing touches you, you never be the same. You know it. Indeed, everything you want to do is an agenda. <laughs> Am I teaching good here? So you meet the person like this. Then, hey, how are you? <laughs> Jesus. You won't be the same again. So, if you know that it's better you either hug like this or like this. How are you doing? That's what I normally do to save myself. Because you can hug a hug and you can't sleep again. Oh, am I teaching? This is a very practical teacher I'm teaching you. It will trigger something in your members. And you realize that, ah, hey, baby, I'm coming. <laughs> you don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Praise God. There are some numbers you have to delete from your phone. Oh, you didn't hear what I said? I said there are some numbers you have to delete it from your phone. There are some songs you have to delete from your phone. There are some movies. It may not be pornography, but it's a movie that the kissing is like five sessions. Delete that movie. You have to delete. I'm telling you, because all those things trigger. Hmm? They what they trigger. Delete those stuff. So before you come back on social media, you are purified. It's like you have a certain balance mentally. So yesterday I was watching one video. I was watching uh, uh, the reels again. <laughs> oh, you see how the thing is progressing. I watched it about almost 30 minutes. And uh, there came one reels of one beautiful lady. She was dancing. She was dancing. I said, hey, Jesus. <laughs> what is happening here? Michelle, bear 10 seconds. Stand up, Miss Crowley calls through. Say, I'm telling you, Miss Crowley calls through. Say, hey, now Rio's with you. It's come to kill me. <laughs> it's a wicked. She's wearing shorts. The thing is here. And our hips get here. And it's like that. And she was just doing like this. That's what she was doing. That alone to a man is a ministry. Administration, I'm telling you, administration on its own. If you're a woman, you understand. Now, I said, yeah, what does it do? What does it do? And yes, you're my but you see, let me tell you something. Sometimes you wonder, you hear that a man has cheated on a wife, and you go and look at the woman, you realize this girl's a fianca, stupid girl, be cry. You wonder how do look this girl. Master, eh, sometimes I get face. Oh, 
This guy will demote him very soon. <laughs> Tell someone, don't play with fire. Because fire will consume you. I'm teaching you good. Though. So you see, let me tell you, already no. Eh? That's it, because we have three enemies. Unfortunately, two of the enemies are outside. One is inside us, called the flesh. Am I teaching you well? So the flesh is a, is a traitor. He will, he will give you passions. Then when you fall, you say, Then they come. That's it. So the flesh is a traitor. He will betray you. So sometimes your major enemy is yourself. There was a time eh, I saw a bed that was standing beside a broken, broken glass at a fitting shop. And the bed was hitting the glass with a big Guess what? The bed was looking at herself, thinking it was an enemy. And the bed was trying to kill itself. Listen, there are some of you, what you are fighting is yourself. If there are things you planted that you are harvesting today. There are things you, you planted that you are harvesting. It is not Satan. They are, see, you are, you are your enemy. Because the videos you are watching, you know what it will produce in your life. And you are still entertaining it around you. And they will bring you trouble. I can, I can prophesy that they will bring you trouble. So you don't play with fire. I have a big, big television there. I deliberately bought it to shame the devil. But I have my limit. I don't remember the last time I watched it. I'm not saying don't watch it. What I'm saying is that regulate what you watch. Because if you don't, they will resurrect old habits again. I have seen people who stopped masturbating and they went back after five months. They stopped some immoral problems and they went back two years later because they don't understand that Satan does not live forever. He goes for a season and comes back with those thoughts again. Those suggestions again. And he knows that you have those files. Those memories are stored up. He knows. So he begins to remind you of it. Don't play with fire. I'm telling you. Quickly, number three. Stay actively involved in growth and ministry. I'm giving very serious solutions here. Stay actively involved in growth and ministry. What I mean is that, see, take advantage of everything that will help you engage the Lord. They're going for evangelism. Join them. And some of you said we are doing first and second service. You know when you go after second service, you're not going to do anything. Because when you are alone in the house, that's where temptation will grow. Stay. We are doing fellowship meeting in the cell groups. Join in. Pray. So before you realize you are engaging in church activities, you, you are engaging in ministry, you have pastor friends, minister friends, you talk to them, and they help you to overcome some of these things. You cannot do this thing alone. If you are not directly involved in anything growing your life and ministry, we're in trouble. I'm teaching good. David, 
he was fighting battles every day and that's what kept him away from that temptation the day he said i am not fighting i want to relax today that was the day he lost almost everything and you'll be shocked to know that eve was attacked by the devil because she was idle i'm telling you she was idle just walking up watching the grasses going on she didn't have what to do and the devil noticed it have you realized he couldn't come to adam because adam was busy working so when he had Eve, he knew that he's going to use the woman to bring Adam down. So if you're not actively involved in the work of the Lord and spiritual growth activities, it will affect you. I'm teaching good here. So the church is fasting. Join. We are praying at this time. Join. Be part of anything that is helping you to grow. Have teachings. Isaac Lafapo teachings. Surround yourself with when you are sleeping. Play it. Because listen, a time is going to come, strong temptations will come to you. You see, Satan doesn't care whether you're a pastor, you're a man of God, you're a church worker. He doesn't care. The same flesh in you is the same flesh in me. The same Holy Ghost in you is the same Holy Ghost in me. So you see, sometimes pastors behave like superstars as if nothing can happen to them. Me, I will tell you every day, I don't trust myself. Never trust yourself. Temptations hit me every time just like you. And I'm fighting the same battles of the flesh that you are fighting. I'm telling you. I, my, my wife has delivered. She's not staying with me now. So I stay alone in the room. When you are there alone and you are doing nothing, the devil will bring a thought. And listen, I told you 90% of the wrong thoughts that come to you is the devil thinking is thought through you. It is not you necessarily thinking it. He's thinking his thoughts through you for you to accept it, attract it, and do it. You, you can be counseling in the office and the devil tell you, look at the ties. I'm telling you the truth. So, I want to make a male my PA. So, I thought I could be around here to save myself. When I go to a hotel and I'm preaching and a lady brings me food sent by the pastor, I open the hotel door and I stand. When you finish serving the food, I am still standing at the door open. So when you are done, you walk out. So once you see me still standing, I'm telling you, you have to go. And this is what I do to protect the integrity of the small anointing upon my head. I can't spoil this thing with all these fastings. How do you do 40 days, 40 nights in water and go and spread someone's legs? I'm afraid. I've paid so much prices to mess up like this. And some of you must think this way. You must think this way in your marriage. You must think this way about your spiritual life. You must think this way. You have paid so much prices. You have to think about your children now. I have to think of another believer who hear that this guy did this and how his hope will be broken. I think about it. So the devil brings temptations. He brings temptations. He brings wrong thoughts. He brings sexual thoughts into my mind. He does it the same way he does it to you. So I'm not special, you're not special. And you have to fight. Don't tell me I can't do it. I've told you it was a time there was a strong 
appetite that I had, I had to go on a fast. I had to light my prayer room, literally. Asking God for my Lord, help me. Help me. It went after three days. You see, pastors will not tell you because they want to behave like supermen. But me, I will tell you. And that's how the Lord has kept me victorious every single time. Because I am sincere in my work with him. Those who are fake and hypocrites will never amount to nothing. I'm telling you. Go on a fast. When the thing is becoming stronger, do it three days. Because this thing is a fight. Don't tell me you can't. Who said you can't? It's a fight. We are fighting. You lie on the floor. You pray in tongues. You open your Bible. And sometimes you will not feel like reading the Bible. Open it. Listen to a teaching on that subject. Listen. Tell your body you. By the grace of God, you are subjected in the name of Jesus. You do it. It's a fight. When it becomes stronger, go outside. Look for a pack. Go and pray in tongues on the pack. Come back in the evening. You realize it will be, it will be okay. It will go down. It will come again. Do the same thing until it goes. Listen, I'm teaching you something here. Do the same thing until it goes. To the devil, devil, you can't win again. I know who I am. The next time you are saying, I know who I am, you should know that that knowledge is supposed to fight something. You don't say, I know who I am, you just go and lie down. I know who I am, then you lie. I know who I am, then you steal. I know who I am, then you engage in all kinds of things. That's fake Christianity. The devil doesn't fear you. Listen, one thing the devil fears, see, can I just shock, shock you with something? The devil does, does not flee those who don't flee sin. The devil only flees those who flee sin. I'm telling you, you are no match for him if you are living a sinful life. You know why? Because that is his ministry. So when you are living that life, you are partnering him. He's, he's afraid of virtue. Satan fears virtue. A child of God that lives in purity, he's, he's afraid of you. Who speaks the truth? He's scared of you. When he sees virtue around your life, you frustrate and intimidate him. I'm telling you, he fears virtue. He fears it. Christians who are honest and sincere. Christians who go to God and tell God their weaknesses and their shortcomings. God, I don't know why these thoughts of masturbation want to come again. And you know in my heart, I don't want to do this again. Lord, you have to help me because I can't do it. Satan fears people like that. Because I'm coming to the next point here. Which is number four. Share sustained temptations with God and close Christian friends. Share sustained temptations with God and close Christian friends who will keep confidences. And this point is so serious that if you take this thing for granted, you'll be in trouble. Let me share something with you on this point. You can write it down. Sin thrives on secrecy. What I mean by that is that sin prospers and flourishes in secrecy. So therefore, bringing sin to light or exposing sin helps you to break its power. There are some of you that have been watching pornography for the past 15 years. Nobody is aware. Do you see it's getting stronger by the day? Let me tell you something. The moment you start rejecting this thing by reporting it to someone who you, are, you become accountable to, 
first 30% is already broken. Because that embarrassment, you feel that you have told somebody. That thing helps to break it automatically. Let me tell you something. Before a doctor treats a wound that is not going, he has to open it. Let me repeat. Before a doctor treats a wound that is not healing, he has to first open the wound first. So if there is a wound and you don't open it and you keep it, you cover it, the wound is not healing, you are not treating it and it's there. What is going to happen is that it's going to prolong and affect you. So the devil thrives in secrecy or sin thrives in secrecy. Bringing it to light helps to break its power, making you more accountable to handle it righteously. There was one young pastor in one church who fell into a very serious issue that I won't tell you. And he was accountable by telling his pastor. And his pastor told him that anytime that temptation comes and he's on his journey to even go and do it, you should call him. And sometimes you board the Uber, he'll go there and go and stand there. He'll call his pastor and say, Pastor, I'm there again. And the pastor will tell him, board the Uber and come back. He just needed to talk to him. For someone to tell him, don't do it, come back. He just needed that. If that pastor didn't do that to him, he would have gone back and gone to do what he went to do. And many don't know some of these things. You have to open up to somebody. And don't come and tell me and tell me that because of you, I shouldn't preach about masturbation again. Or I shouldn't preach about sin again. Yes, because many Christians are like that. They come and tell you an issue. They don't expect you to preach about the issue again. Meanwhile, there are other people who are battling with the same situation. I can't be silent. Because there are many souls that must be saved. So don't be selfish. So you have to open up to somebody that this is what I've been doing for the past 10 years. By the time you are leaving, something has left you. I'm telling you, don't keep temptations alone. We had a meeting with the ministers one time, I think about three weeks ago. And we all started sharing our experiences and our temptations. That day, when we were having a ministers meeting, we left strengthened. This one says, this is what happened to me. This one says, this is what happened to me. This one says, wow, so that means we all have the same things. This is serious. Then we have to fight. So we all left strengthened. And there are some of them, when they are talking to me, they say, oh, Papa, when the thing happened, I told this one about it. So I realized that they have a certain bond. They discuss their temptations. So when you have told me that this is your temptation, when I see you around that side, I say, Charlie, be careful. You need people like that around you. Go and tell somebody and be embarrassed. Leave the place embarrassed. And you realize that the devil is angry because he wants you to keep it alone. Then you are, you are suffering. And there are some who are young pastors. There are some who are pastors. Who are they going to tell? Because they feel when they go and tell, people will say that, how can you be a pastor? Bro, bro, this is not about pastor. It's about the devil wanting to bring your work down. It's not about pastor. It is not about pastor. It's not about church worker. It's not about how, how will people see me. You are proud. How will people see you at this time? The thing is destroying you. You are thinking of how people will see you. That means you, you, you are not even interested in how God wants you to repent. I don't know if it's appropriate to share this thing.
Don't be a lone ranger. Don't be a lone ranger. The devil is happy that you are alone. Fighting all this thing by yourself. Let someone rebuke you and tell you they didn't do well. It's part of the healing process. It's part of it. We're going to end here. Continue next week. Just pray and ask God to help you. Ask God to help you. I am telling you, the race is not to the swift. It's not for those who think they are experienced in the Lord. It's not, I have served God for 15 years. It's not about that though. I've been a Christian for 25 years. Please don't boast about that. It's what's the current state of your life as a child of God. That's what we are talking about here. It's not how many years you've been a Christian. You want to ask God to help you to be a better Christian in your walk with him. Just make that prayer in the next one minute. In the Bible, anytime people ask for help with genuine heart, God intervened. No matter how, how sinful Israel became, the moment they called upon God, for help, the Lord immediately sent an intervention. But you have a better covenant based on better promises. You have a father who understands you. He that shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Christian work is not lived by experienced Christians. It is lived by humble Christians who always know that they need God at every minute of their lives. These are the Christians who will survive. Those Christians who know that they need God at every moment. And I am one of them. I constantly seek help from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me for my mundane practices my rationalization my logical reasoning that is that is corrupting the potency of your word in my life the hardness of my heart heal me it doesn't matter what you believe if you're a child of God who is still living in sin I'm telling you there's something wrong because he that is born of God does not sin because his seed remained in him. A believer continuing the practices of sin is a default. It's a wrong default. It's a malfunctioning, system malfunctioning. There 
are some things you must start avoiding from today. I'm talking to those who want to be serious about it. You must avoid some things today. You must delete some things today. You must flee some things today. Oh, <laughs> 